Welcome, everyone, to the Stupid Sexy Podcast. I feel like I'm podcasting nothing at all. Oh, my. That is not Dan. Dan, who was that gentleman? I believe that is patron and double podcast host and author Jeff Trellowitz. What's up, everybody? I'm back here on the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Welcome back. We haven't podcast at all. Oh yeah. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. You know we gave that to the guest. <laughs> all right, but he he got you got it in. Everybody feeling good? Everybody feeling good? I, I feel good that I am now the first two-time guest host. You are the first two-time guest host. Uh, you could probably you might become the first three-time guest host too. It depends on how the schedule works. And remember, guys, if you want to be part of the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Tell me which Simpsons episode you'd like to be a guest for, and if we can make that work, we will 100% do our best to get you on. That's our stupid sexy promise to you. I don't know if that'll work really well, but we'll go for it. So It sounded good at the moment. <laughs> All right, so Jeff, what episode are we going to review? We are reviewing Flaming Moe's. That's right. Uh, Dan, when did this episode air? This is episode 10 of season 3, and it aired November 21st, 1991. Very, very good. Now, Jeff, before we went into this, I was curious, because we knew that Three Men in a Comic Book had everything to do with the comic book storyline. But Flaming Moe's, you had a little bit of a different motive for choosing this episode. <laughs> Yes, one of my all-time favorite bands is Aerosmith. In fact, Aerosmith is the first concert I actually went to voluntarily. I went and saw a Don McLean concert when I didn't know who Don McLean was. But the first concert I actually paid for was the Get a Grip tour with Aerosmith and Jackal. That's awesome. That's awesome. And let's say it now. Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, Tom Hamilton... Joey Kramer and Bradley Whit uh, and Bradley Hamill. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> that guy. Yes, him. Uh, they all provide their voices for this episode, and that's pretty cool. And there's also a great TV reference on here too. Yes, which we will get to because Jeff's also a TV consumer, like we are. So. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. We'll we'll hop into uh, old Flame and Moe's here and get this party rolling. So first things first, uh, Bart writing on the chalkboard that underwear should be worn on the inside. It's good to know. It's a good life lesson, kids. Don't forget that. Uh, Doug Funny should take that life lesson with Quail Man because that's his uh, that's his thing. And we get the uh, the thief couch gag where they are they're they've literally ransacked the whole house except the couch. The family hops on. And they just chuck him off and take the couch. See, when I first saw that, when I was rewatching the episode, I thought they were just movers until they shucked him off and then just ran off with it. I'm like, <laughs> nope, they were stealing it. Oh, they even have the classic masks and everything. The classic I robber guess I masks. wasn't paying attention to that. I was just seeing two guys grabbing the couch. <laughs> so we open up with Ion Springfield. And we get that classic opening montage, which is just a lot of bikini-clad girls doing stuff. I may have sat here going, boobies, boobies, boobies. 
I'm sure that's what Kemp Brockman was doing when he shot all that stuff, because you can tell that that's got his fingerprints all over it. Also, I like that Brockman apparently has a giant dragon tattoo on his back. (laughs) Not that you ever see it, but it's there. Because we're celebrating the silver anniversary of the Springfield Tire Fire, 25 years on fire. Still burning. (laughs) Uh, Springfield's oldest man meets the fattest man. And note that that oldest man has 100% died at this point because they later give out an award for Springfield's oldest man who also dies. So Burns gets the title. That's in the Mansion family many, many seasons from now. With Britney Spears, of course. And we also learn that prize fighter Dredderick Tatum is from Springfield. And I love that he's just doing the, the, the classic interview where he's like, if you ever catch me back here, then you know I really fucked up Royal. <laughs> Which is... He reminded me of someone, but I couldn't put my finger on who he was supposed to be. Yeah. Dan, I think you've actually cracked the code here, right? Dredrick Tatum is actually a parody of a famous boxer. Yeah, yeah. It's a shoeless um, somebody. Oh. Somebody with like that guy. Two. I thought it was a Vander Holyfield. Uh, I thought it was Buster Douglas. Or, or um, shoes? Shoes? Or is he like his shoes? gloves? Shoeless Joe Jackson. Yeah, that's it. It's Glass Joe. Oh, wait, he was a baseball player. It's Glass Joe. King Hippo? King Hippo. Oh, hated that fight. Hated the King Fickle. <laughs> that's, that's usually where I ended. Was on yeah. King Hippo. King Hippo was hard. I've beaten that game, but yeah. No, I, I like the few times I got past King Hippo, Tyson just whooped my ass. <laughs> or Soda Soda Popinski. Yep. I got by him a few times. I got to Tyson a couple of times, but I could not get more than like three or four punches in, and then I was done. You gotta you gotta learn the trick about the guy in the crowd who winces. Once you figure that out, it, it becomes a lot easier, but it's still hard. So, of course, Bart's still awake, and Homer wants to know why, because he's avoiding the slumber party, because, spoiler alert, Lisa actually has friends in season three. Yeah, that's kind of weird, because the entire time they're like, oh, she's so pitiful, she only has her saxophone. Oh, wait, she's got four friends. She has enough friends for an actual slumber party. And, well, Janie's like uh, an off-and-on-again friend. And they've also shown her, she hangs out a lot with Sherry and Terry, even though they're two grades older. But I guess that's just one of those things where it's like, well, they're they're female school children. We don't have a lot of them, so we'll just throw her in there. Why not? Oh, did you also notice during the pan up to the bedroom that the house still has asbestos and lead pipes in it? And I like how it actually spells out asbestos because, you know, in case you didn't know what it was. Of course, because it wouldn't be funny if it was just pink stuff. You just be like, "Oh, that's the shit I have in my attic," and you're like, "Oh, wait, hold on, time out." Wait, why do they have cotton candy up there? It's not cotton candy. Don't eat the <laughs> cotton candy. Whatever you do, don't eat the cotton candy. So, of course, they're playing an evil Wiccan game where they're putting wax in candle wax in water, and whatever shape it takes will be your future career. Of course, oh, well, your husband's career. They yeah, was- your husband's career. That's right. Uh, it's a mop. I'm going to marry a janitor. And, of course, Lisa tries so hard to turn that around. It's an Olympic gold torch. Your Dude, future... it's a paintbrush. It was a paintbrush. Yeah, it could have been a paintbrush, yeah. too. But then they get a dustpan. The wax never lies. 
And what's yeah, it was the a paintbrush as well? <laughs> yeah, it was an artist, but whatever. I guess a bunch of eight-year-old girls just really suck at fortune telling. Yeah, they just want it to be bad. Yeah, it was Agatha <laughs> all along. Obviously. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts to a series that's already ended. But, you know, things. Uh, so, yeah, what's one of the classic tropes of the uh, the girl having the slumber party? They're going to torture the sibling. Now, Bart is the older brother here, but... Now, I never got tortured, but I also don't think my sister ever had, like, a full-on slumber party. However, I had slumber parties with a bunch of my guy friends, and we pissed my sister off. So, that's a thing that happened. But yes, uh, Bart gets tortured by this girl's slumber party because, of course, they're playing Truth or Dare. And they challenge the girl to kiss Lisa's brother, which she does. And she jinxes him. And then, of course, Homer actually plays... Homer, it's so funny because Homer's, like, really stupid and then he completely plays along with it. Yep. You gotta say something. something. Heard it from the other room that yeah. he got that Bart got it's, it's a it's a dumb kid thing. Yes, but Homer goes with it because that's what he does. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so Homer would get it because he's a dumb kid. Exactly. And then of course they're like, "There he is! Let's give him a makeover!" And they go to some pretty extremes to torture Bart. He gets into his room and they literally take the door off the hinges to get to yeah, him. Yeah, with an electric screwdriver at that because <laughs> I. A lot of eight-year-old girls know how to use one. Well, and I'm it, sure Homer's just like, no, that's cool. Well, uh, on Friday's episode, where we reviewed Saturdays of Thunder, we did establish that these kids have access to tools they shouldn't have because Bart was flat-out welding in the garage, unsupervised at that. So, yeah, uh, this is not a uh, child-proof house in any way, shape, or form. And without goggles or a thing. All, yeah. he, all he was doing was looking in the other direction. He even had the welder's mask on, and he had it up while he was welding. So, yeah, we're doing great here. But, does a lot of effective work that way. But the best part is, not only does they go to extremes to get to him, but he goes to extremes to escape because he just belly flops out his window. Yep. And they're not even concerned. Nope. And they're like, okay, let's get Maggie instead. Dude, that's one of my favorite quick jokes on The Simpsons when Homer's changing the newspaper, and you just see that quick glimpse of Maggie. Like, that's that's freaking brilliant. And he's just like, yeah, that's it. I'm going to Moe's. So forget forget what my kids are doing. Forget parenting. I'm out of here. I don't know where Marge is, but she's just letting this happen. So Homer escapes. He goes to the bar. Moe's business is so slow that he's playing solitaire. And he's completely out of beer because he didn't pay his distributor and they cut him off. But he goes, ah, relax, Homer. I learned how to make other drinks in bartending school. Blows the dust off the old mixer menu. Gin and tonic? Does that even mix? But it's all right, Mo. He doesn't even say tonic. He calls it, like, tonic. Oh, yeah, because that's that's the thing. He doesn't even know how to pronounce it. Well, he should have called Bart. Bart makes a mean Manhattan. We established that earlier this season. Yeah, when the kid can do more behind the bar than the bartender, it's not a good business practice. Bart probably would have made a good well, bartender. Well, I mean, it's a small-town bar. Like, a, a small-town bar, all it is is give them the beer. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. Especially if it's a rural bar. That's yeah. all. It's just like, what do you got on tap? Nobody wants mixed drinks at those. If you want mixed drinks, you got to go to the club. 
I don't do that. But you're right. a mixed drink. What are you, some kind of faggot? Ooh, Woody. <laughs> well, it's all right, Mo. Homer's got his own drink. Because one night, as he's subjected to Patty and Selma's vacation slides, <laughs> and sees the uh, the Czechoslovakian outlet. One of my favorite work. moments in Simpsons history is the slideshow. The yes. slideshow, yeah, yeah. Couldn't plug their uh, electric razor into those weird outlets, and it didn't work. And they go to the next scene where it's just the hairy drumstick, as Homer calls it, and Bart goes, "I caramba!" As Lisa looks away in horror. Just, She's not the only one who looked away in horror. I know. It's it's actually a really funny gag, though, that Patty and Selma are just, like, have horrible hygiene. Because that's one of the things they rip on Homer for. Yep. It's the hypocrisy of just hating. Like, they always make fun of him for being fat, but they're not exactly skinny girls. That's the joke, though. So, Patty has polished off the last beer. So, Homer's got no choice but to just take whatever's left in the alcohol bottles and mix it up. And in his haste, he accidentally grabbed a bottle of the kid's cough syrup, the Krusty brand cough syrup. Because, you know, Krusty brand everything. And the drink passed the first test. He didn't go blind. Although he tried because he just kept looking around. Yeah, I know. He wanted to make sure. And he can't understand the science, but when the cigarette butt falls in it and it lights on fire... It made it good. And he calls it a flaming Homer. Which, of course, that's a funny reference in itself. Anything that's flaming. That's how Homer likes his homosexuals, as we'll learn in a later season. He likes his beer cold <laughs> and his homosexuals flaming. That's a great episode. I can't wait to cover that one. We should invite on an honest-to-goodness homosexual onto the episode to give their takes on how The Simpsons handled that topic. Luckily, I think you know somebody that would fit that. Uh, We both know many people that would fit that, Jeff. We worked at Disney. That's true. (laughs) We know plenty. So, yeah, we'll have have plenty of picks there. But, yes. I I used to work with a guy. He was uh, before you. I very rarely remember the first words somebody said to me. But with this guy, I will always remember the first words he said to me was, Hi, I just popped your personal bubble. I'm like, nope, nope. God damn. Well, that's one way to get introduced. Yeah, my uh, w- my best friend from high school is gay, and I'm sure he would actually really like this episode. Mostly because he's one of those guys that you cannot tell in any way, shape, or form. Because he doesn't look like it, act like it, dress like it, any of that stuff. He's just like, oh yeah, I like guys. But uh, for some unknown reason, Mo just happens to have ch- a bottle of children's cough syrup and is lost and found. Yeah, I kind of had an issue with this, though, because the way that Homer described it was he took whatever was left in the bottles to make it. The fact yeah. that Mo had the exact same bottles. Well, that's not really too far-fetched because he does have mixed bottles at the bar, but my... I think the the question that I would raise here is that how did Homer even know what the hell he was mixing in the first place? Did he read the bottles or did he just grab and go? Uh, but that's what I'm saying. For for them to remake the exact same thing, just that does you know, 
I know suspend reality and all that, but it was kind of far-fetched. I wonder if that'll come up in the trip. Oh, it's like the lizard juice idea, right? Where you mix whatever you got together. Yeah. I wonder if I really do wonder if that's going to come up in the trivia. I think that'll be interesting. I don't read spoiler alert, folks. I don't read any of the trivia until I'm actually reading it on the show. That is your first time to, that we get uh, you get the trivia. So, in case you wanted a little behind the scenes version of this, I mean, I guess that's like behind the scenes, supposedly. But anyway. Uh, moving Dude, on. Keep here. it safe, bro. Uh, I, I'm trying, damn it. So yeah, uh, Mo tries to drink. It's not without its charm. Lights it on fire, and yeah, it's really good. So they pass it along to the guy who's pissed off about the love tester that Mo spent his last ten grand on. And when he tries it, realizes how good it is, and clears his phlegm up. He asks what it's called, and Mo. Jesus. Like a shithead, just pops right in and steals it right out from Homer. Which genuinely makes me curious how they remain friends at the end of this. But we'll kind of break that down as we go here. Dude, the guy has one of the favorite lines in Simpsons history. And we're hitting a lot of my favorites in Simpsons history right now. But <laughs> which is? is <laughs> it's like there's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. And my phlegm feels looser, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get a lot of good. There's a lot of good stuff in season three. I also love that Barney tests the sneeze guard on the new salad bar because suddenly the business takes off with this new drink. <laughs> wow, it really works. And, of course, we get a waitress who shows up and is like, I'm interested in the sign. Ah, you mean you mean my sleazy-ass sign? No. Your waitress wanted, and, of course, it's like, you know, it's minimum wage plus tips, but, you know, there's other benefits, too. There's French benefits and... And she zings him right back, which makes it great. I have trivia on the waitress too, but we'll uh, we will we will get to that when we when we get there. Because now, I, of course, I pulled up the trivia to see if there was something actually uh, actually happening here, and I don't see it right away. But we'll get to it. We're gonna get to it. So, of course, there's a guy. He works for a uh, Mr. Tipsy. And it's like his, uh, it's got like that long, obnoxious name. Like the, and of course, Moe's like, oh yeah, that's the, uh, the mozzarella stick guy. I know that. And he's like, we want to buy your drink. Sorry, pal. It's not for sale. And of course he pours it into his briefcase to steal the idea. And we all know where that's going to go, right? Well, that's a TV trope, too. The mystery formula, and, or even a movie trope, and they the guy's going to steal it and copy it themselves. If you don't buy it, well, they're going to steal it anyway. And he almost fails. More coming soon. So, of course, at school, they've got the, uh, the inventor I admire deal going on. And we learn that Bart <laughs> presents... The flaming Mo as an inventor and gets shit on by his classmates and mostly Nelson, who of course knows who Mar Mo the bartender is. Unsurprising, yeah. considering Nelson's home life. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny when all the kids are like, "Oh yeah, no, your dad didn't make that. Mo did." Yeah, of course. Who would be the one to point it out? And then, of course, Mrs. Krabappel confiscates the liquor bottles and goes, "You take those to the teachers' lounge right now. You can have what's left at the end of the day." <laughs> So Mo is really 
kicking now. He's got a VIP and he's got the VIP treatment. Uh, Krusty punching out paparazzi. <laughs> Mayor Quimby dedicates the, the day. Sign. Oh yeah, he's got the new sign. Mayor Quimby dedicates that this is now Flaming Moe's Day. Uh, sir, this is already Veterans Day. It could be two things. <laughs> That's a great gag, too. And, of course, it makes me wonder how Moe's been getting away with this without Homer really calling him on it. But all Homer is is just depressed that this is happening. I mean, his depression place is literally Moe's. He's nope. so, he, nope. he, he's so nope. upset at the, nope. the family dinner. Nope. He's like, I'm going to go to Moe's. Don't. And when he gets there, we learn that Mo has a very special guest. And who is it, Jeff? It's Aerosmith! <laughs> come on, guys. Come on now. Come on, Mo. We don't want to. Yeah. And he's like, I'll give you free pickled eggs. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. There you go. Hello, St. Louis! Uh, Stephen, that's Springfield. Oh, right, right. Nothing sweetens the pot like, <laughs> like those eggs. Gotta love it. Pickled eggs are good, by the way. <laughs> so, yes, they are. <laughs> pickled beets are amazing, too. Living in Amish country, I tried those for the first time, and they're friggin' phenomenal. Could eat a whole jar of them by myself. In case you didn't, in case you were wondering if beets are any good, if you get pickled beets, that stuff's good. So, they perform Walk Wait, This I, Way. My family pickles, pickles eggs in, in with beets. Oh, there you go. So, they perform Walk This Way, the classic Aerosmith hit. One of the songs they're probably most known for. It's one of their more rockin' tunes anyway. Oh, yeah. And Otto and Princess Cashmere are dancing on a bar table, and Ned and Maud are sitting there, but they really don't seem to care. Uh, I like that Lenny goes to, like, <laughs> drink his flaming mo without blowing it out and lights his hair on fire. That's a good <laughs> little gag. And Krabappel hits on Homer in a really awkward scene. You're my kid's teacher. Are you a single parent? No. Well, let's pretend like you are. Yes, but she gets worse. Yeah, she does. So <laughs> Colette the waitress is getting the, the hint that this is not Moe's idea because he she addresses him as Morris, which I think is really funny. And it's like, is it true? Is this his idea? Well, maybe I kind of came up with the... He came up with the recipe, but it was my idea to charge it for six ninety five. And he gets the uh, the crank call from Bart. I'm looking for a Mr. Jass, first name Hugh. Uh, somebody check the men's room for a Hugh Jass. I'm Hugh Jass. Telephone call. Hello? This is Hugh Jass. Who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Bart Simpson. Well, hi, Bart. What can I do for you? Uh, yeah, buddy. Gonna... This is yeah. This is a crank call, and I'd really like to bail out right now. And he's like super cool okay. about it too. Good luck to you then. Yeah, it's like, oh, what a nice young man. Yeah, he's super cool about it too, which is the best. Because you know he's heard it before. Oh, he had to. At that point, by that point in his life, he's just accepted his name is Huge Ass. He's probably like a super successful businessman, too, because all these people become successful when their names are stupid. Because they're compensating for their stupid name. That reminds me. Make note to... Oh, I'm going to write this on my hand real quick. Uh, if I have a kid, give them stupid name. Mooch off them when they become famous. Okay, we're good. Moving on. So, Moe's success unfortunately drowns out Homer screaming they just lost a customer. Which is, like, kind of a funny scene, but it's also kind of sad, too. 
Yeah. And it, it, it kind of went a little long at one point. I'm like, all right, we get it. Yeah, like those like those opening Raw segments with Triple H. It went on a little too long. In fact, there's still a segment going on right now. Yep. Oh, God. Probably. <laughs> so, we come back from commercial to the classic TV intro. Jeff, take this away, because you know you loved it. Yeah, they did a great parody of the Cheers theme song. And I love <laughs> I have a- the last image of Homer with his face up against the Aww. window looking in. Yeah, it was super sad. Steven Tyler's <laughs> acing the love tester. Yeah. Yeah, you got the lyrics? Let's hear them. All right, don't the weight of the world has got you down and you want to end your life. Bills to pay, a dead-end job, and problems with your wife. Well, don't throw it in the towel, because there's a place down the block where you can drink your miseries away at Flaming Woes. Let's all go to Flaming Woes, where liquor in a mug can cheer you like a hug, and happiness is just a flaming mo away. Happiness is just a flaming blow away. Aww. It's a really good parody, too. There's there's an even better Cheers parody later on. You know what, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It also involves Homer finding another bar. <laughs> so. And, of course, the guy's back because he's like, we, uh, it's like we got it all boiled down. We just need to figure out what the secret ingredient is. We got scientists on it, and there's Professor Frank. Ah, the secret ingredient is love. Who's been screwing with this thing? So Homer tries a horrible ghetto bar. That doesn't really play out for him. And almost gets shot. I know. What do you want? Uh, can I have a beer? Here you go. Can I have a clean glass? Can I get a clean glass? Yeah. Oh, there you go, Your Majesty. Your Majesty. And he tries to sue, but Lionel Hutz can't actually take the case because there's no copyright laws on drinks. Which is probably not true. I just love this line of, did you know that these books behind me are not just for show, but they actually have legal (laughs) facts? Yeah, he's so shocked by the fact that he can get actual legal information from his books. Uh, (laughs) There's nothing quite like, I would have loved... And maybe maybe I can contact the guys at Epic Rap Battle and make this happen. But we need Saul Goodman versus Lionel Hutz in a case. Just to see who would actually come out on top. I, I, I think we'd better call Saul on that one. <clears throat> we better call Saul. Cause better get Saul. Saul was a Saul was good at winning cases as a sleaze. Lionel Hutz just takes cases as a sleaze, but he doesn't exactly win them. Uh Your Honor, do I still get paid? And then we get one of my favorite moments in all of The Simpsons, and I'm sure Dan will agree, the classic rant. Maybe you can take solace in the fact that something you created is making so many people happy. Oh, look at me. I'm making people happy. I'm the happy man in a magical house on Gumdrop Lane. In case you couldn't tell, I was being sarcastic. Well, duh. (laughs) And Mo actually sleeps with the waitress. And that's where it all comes to be. She's like, come on, Morris, sell the formula and split half the million with Homer. 
He's, oh yeah, he's like, he's like, you know, Morris, I'm worried. Oh, why not? My mom's not going to be home for 20 more minutes. Gotta love Mo still living with his mom, which of course is not a, a plot line later on. Because we know Mo just lives in basic poverty. But, well, he could have finally moved out. Yeah, he could have. Into a sleazier place. I'm also pretty sure that that was a sofa bed that they were on. Yes, it was. Which makes sense. But I, I love the line where he finally agrees. He goes, God, I sleep with a chick once. It cost me half a million bananas. And he's finally ready to make the deal and ink the paper where the guy reveals the movie plot I just mentioned. Normally we steal it, but we couldn't crack the code. So oh, it is what it is. And then Homer goes nuts and does the Phantom of the Opera reference. <coughs> Where he's just like, because he's been driven to insane by Mo. Because as Jeff had mentioned earlier, he was at the dinner table. Mo, 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 uh, Mo, he s- Mo. He sees him everywhere. By the way, the dog, women, clouds, they're all Mo. They're all Mo. And even Maggie says, Mo. By the way, I love that Aerosmith came back to play again. And Joey's missing. So, Jeff, why don't they have their drummer? (laughs) Can I get my drumstick? You're going to have to earn it. Yeah, (laughs) Kerbopel's moving. Moving pretty fast there. So not only does Homer give away the secret and ruin the business, which, of course, Moe's just kind of like, ah, damn. He also falls on Aerosmith. (laughs) I didn't even mention that uh, Barney's, like, super sophisticated and has, like, rich, ritzy friends now. But that's yeah. all the... Which means he's probably doing cocaine. Probably. And the entire town now has the recipe, and there's, like, flaming moo, where it's, like, this, this, the fancy mo spelling. There's famous moes, and yeah. Yeah, all that, all that stuff. But Homer and Mo actually forgive each other and become friends again. Because Moe's not that distraught about what happened, because he can always fall back on his regulars, which he still has. And they forgive, he forgives him by mixing up Homer, a flaming Homer. And Moe forgives him, too. Well, Homer really got the last laugh, so I guess he didn't really need to forgive at that point. Homer waitress, waitress went off to Hollywood to become an actress. Oh, yeah. Her movie career. Although, I think she would have been happier here. Uh, yeah, this is a very classic episode of The Simpsons. And we, and we forgot the best line at the end. So, Mo, do you think Aerosmith will be here tonight? Yeah, I doubt it, Homer. <laughs> I seriously doubt it. Yeah, I don't think they're coming back, Homer. Also, you fell on them, so. Minor detail. Yes. All right, you guys ready for some trivia? Yes. So, of course, we all know Aerosmith is the first band. <laughs> this is the first band to appear on the show. Good choice, too. <clears throat> uh, Al Jean said the opening two minutes of the episode was inspired by his own childhood where my sister would have sleepover parties and her friends would always try to kiss me and stuff. Yeah, we kind of talked about that. I'm sure somebody had to be inspired by that, so thank Al Jean for that one. All right, here's, a, here's an interesting tidbit here. I don't know if Jeff would have picked up on this. Depends on how much you know your... Aerosmith history. There's a man with long hair, a thick beard, and glasses sitting with Aerosmith when Moe calls attention to them. And that 
is John Callender. Yes. Who is the music executive who worked with many of these rock bands, including Aerosmith. And one of the stipulations from the band was that he had to be in the episode and he got a special thanks credit at the end. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, Aerosmith can be in there on one condition. I'm in there too. Okay. Well, we got Aerosmith. So I have some trivia about Colette the Waitress that I find very interesting here. Catherine O'Hara from Home Alone, Beetlejuice, and Schitt's Creek fame. And, of course, basically every... And Nightmare Before Christmas. Basically anything Tim Burton was involved in. Yep. He's one of her go-tos. Or Uh, Christopher Guest. Or Christopher (laughs) Guest, yes. Well, we got a connection there with Harry Shearer. Uh, Originally, she was going to be Colette the, the Waitress. And even recorded her part for the character. But Mike Reese said that something about her did not animate correctly. And the voice did not work for our purposes. So, they used a regular voice actress which is Joanne Harris. She had done a temporary track using an impression of Shelley Long's character, Diane Chambers, from Cheers. And they thought that that would be a good role. So they used her instead, but they still gave O'Hara a credit at the end of the episode. And they should have. I mean, if she put in the work, regardless, it, you know, they have to, if she put in the work, they have to at least acknowledge that she did it. Right. Well, that's like going back to what we talk about on your show, Ranking Tracks. Weird Al one time had permission to use Photograph by Nickelback for one of his polkas, but he couldn't work it in. So he dropped it all together, but he still gave them credit for giving him permission because he had the permission to use it. He just couldn't. I mean, he even gave uh, credit to uh, Queen for Under Pressure when he did Ice Ice Baby. Yes, he did, because he gave everybody credit for that. Even though Ice Ice, even though Van Winkle didn't give credit to Queen. Well, Weird Al is quality people, so some people are not. There's your proof. But if there's a problem, yo, he'll solve it. Check out the beat while his DJ revolves it. Yes. So in the original script, Moe's temptation with Aerosmith was free beer, but they requested the change because their 80s comeback had them give up drugs and alcohol. So they went with the pickled eggs line, which, of course, was funnier. That yeah. would have been way funnier than free beer. I, one of my favorite jokes is when they recruit Aerosmith on Robot Chicken to accompany Harrison Ford to blow up the asteroid Armageddon style. And Steven Tyler starts throwing up and it immediately cuts to a nerd in the real world who's like, "Ah, oh, this is bullshit. Steven Tyler's been clean for years. I'm writing an angry email right now. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, there was going to be more Moe and Colette subplot, but the writers just felt like it wasn't working, so they cut it. Uh, probably pretty good. Yeah, it worked what we, with what we had. She was the conscience of the episode. So remember how I made the flaming joke earlier? Yes. There was a scene that did not make it to the final production where there was going to be a joke where a gay bar... Uh, where, oh no, a gay couple walks into Flaming Moe's assuming it's a gay bar, but Matt Groening said that he didn't want to bring attention to the name. And, and I think that was probably a good idea. Yeah, The Simpsons has already got gets plenty of good jokes in at gay people while also paying respect to them. Kind of like the two-party system and every religion ever. Yeah. They mock all of them, but also pay respect to all of them. Which is why The Simpsons is still successful. 
You can say whatever you want about their newer seasons being lower quality, but they're still on the air for a reason. And the way that I look at it, and when you're on the air for 30 years, you're going to run out of good quality stories to tell. Yes. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about all the various references to Cheers, although they did go for Norm with Barney, which made sense. Uh, I already talked about Lisa's popularity being a thing. Uh, And of course, Sam Simon had written for Cheers, which is why he came up with Colette's dialogue, because he basically wrote dialogue for Diane, so that made sense. Yeah. They specifically wrote the guest spot for Aerosmith because they wanted him. And Aerosmith even recorded a shortened version of Young Lust just for the end credits. Yeah, it did sound different when I was like, because it even took me a second to realize what song it was. Because it was a different version than the studio version. Indeed. But really good stuff here. All right, gentlemen. uh, Dan, Flaming Moe's, what's your opinion? It's one of the best of all time. Yes, it is. Jeff? I mean, there's a reason why I wanted to be on the episode, not just because, oh, just because Aerosmith's on it, it must be good. No, because Aerosmith also did one of the worst albums ever made, Done With Mirrors. (laughs) They do good stuff. They do bad stuff. This was a great episode. And I like that they did not take themselves seriously and like to do the scene where Krabappel is basically propositioning him over the drumstick. Right. Yeah, they uh they hit a lot of a lot of big positives on this one for me like I mean they they do like I said like in my opinion this is one of the all-time classics like you guys just said and my god it just it just works. It For really. Me, I would works. honestly put this in the top ten of all time, and that says something when you consider just how many episodes there are. Absolutely. Uh, according to IMDb, Flaming Moe's has an 8.8 rating. It's 28th on the list, but it's tied with every episode from 21 to 28 all have the 8.8s. I don't know how they actually determine an order here, but... Out of 707 episodes, it being number 28 is And really 21, if you consider... Sure. Well, even higher than that when you consider all the other ties that the other episodes have. But here are the episodes it's actually tied with. Bart Sells His Soul, Lemon of Troy, and Maggie Makes Three, Treehouse of Horror 4, One Fish, Two Fish, Blowfish, Bluefish, Hurricane Nettie, and Homer's Phobia, which we actually just talked about, that that's going to come up later. So you've got some really great episodes right alongside it. It's in the top 30 out of 707. <laughs> I mean, that's impressive. That's... That, them be some good numbers right there. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. All right, well, Jeff... It's, it's better than even the top 10%. It's close to being top 1%. It really is. You're right about that, because that's... I mean, that's ridiculous, but yeah. Uh, So, Jeff, I'd like to thank you for coming on another episode of Stupid Sexy Podcast. And why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what you got going on on your shows. I have, this week, I have an episode of Real Paranormal Talk where I'm going to talk about some of the 
haunted battleships, including the one that I used to work on. Awesome. And in the meantime, I'm also, I don't know, I figured this weekend I celebrated a birthday. So, you know, it's just the thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, the big 4-4. Why, four, four. why, not, why not just age up a little bit? Yeah, leveling up. Oh, we should have had you on Friday's episode because Saturdays of Thunder was episode 44 of the Stupid Sexy Podcast. <laughs> Damn, we got, we were off, you're on episode 45, we're off by one year. Oh, well, pretty close though, pretty close. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jeff, please come back anytime you'd like to discuss The Simpsons with us. Gladly. Check out all the great stuff, ckccradio.com. Check it out. And support us just like Jeff does. Listen to his shows. And, of course, buy his books. They're available on Amazon. What are you waiting for? Go buy them now. Damn it. Do it now. What are you doing? Do it now. Do it. Do it. All right. Uh, any final words before we sign off here? Dan, would you like to promote next week's episode? Or this Friday's yes. episode, I should say. Oh, uh, yes, yes. On Friday, later this week. Yes, it will be this week. Another, another classic episode. It's Burns Verkoffen the Kraftwerk. Ah, yes. Do you know, when Mr. Burns sells the plant to German investors. Oh, the Germans. <laughs> Hans and Franz are there to pump you up? Oh, God. Good reference. Good reference. <laughs> we're showing our age now. Well, we're already showing yeah, our age by reviewing this show. Yeah. Again, I'm feeling both of you. I'm showing my age well before that. That's fine. Good stuff. But yes, uh, we'll be back Friday for a very German episode of The Simpsons. And we will see you then. And Jeff, please do the honors as I give the tagline. We'll see you again for another Stupid Sexy Podcast. Feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all. <laughs>